Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio. I'm excited because we have another what I call in the trenches interview where we interview not just somebody that's considered uh, a customer service expert and thought leader and influencer in our industry, but also he's in the trenches doing it every day for a major corporation. Dennis Wakabayashi, and isn't that a fun name to say, works for R.R. Donnelly, and he is the VP of CX Solutions. We'll talk about him and we'll talk to him in just a moment. First, a couple of quick announcements. If you've got any stories you want to share, any questions you want to ask, you can reach out to me on all the social media channels. If it's a question, use the hashtag AskShep, and I'll respond to it right there in the social media channel. I might respond to it on this show or on my TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime and Apple TV and Roku and lots of other TV stations and YouTube now. We put all the episodes on YouTube uh, with the exception of the last couple because we have to let those percolate in the in the real world, so to speak. But all of the others can be found at beamazing.tv. All right, before we get into our interview, I wanna do a big special thank you to our sponsor, Salvi. If you wanna learn more about their incredible chatbot solution, just go to www.salvi, and that's S-O-L-V-V-Y.com forward slash Shep. And you will get a demo, you'll learn all about us or about them, very, very good information. All right, let's jump into the interview. Dennis Wakabayashi, and I'm learning to love just to say that, and hopefully I'm getting it right, as I mentioned, is the VP of CX Solutions Delivery for R.R. Donnelly, which is a global business communications firm. He'll tell us more about exactly what he does, but specializing in production, execution, delivery of customer experience tactics uh, along the entire path to purchase. Yes, I read that. I admit it. He also, this year, was not only an executive at a company, but named one of the top 50 customer service experts of the decade and is among the top 150 customer experiences influencers globally. Dennis, welcome to the show. Hello, Shep. And with (laughs) all of those accolades aside, the biggest honor this year so far is having a chance to speak with you. You've been a hero of mine since the start of my career. And to be here sort of uh, is, is a dream come true. So thank you so much. You've been oh, wow. so good to watch. Oh, shucks. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. That's very nice of you. Uh, but, you know, I must tell, I don't know if, every, if I've ever shared this ever on the show, but there's three reasons why I do this show. The third reason, least important, is the exposure that we get by doing this podcast, although we do get exposure for it, right? And we get out there and people download and listen to our episodes. And number two is it's something to tweet about. It's something to socialize. Yeah. We tweet about it, put on LinkedIn, Facebook. So it gives us something to talk about. And I'm going to get some great nuggets that I'm going to share like in tweets from you. But the number one reason I do it is I get to talk to people like you, Dennis, and just have a really good time learning from you. So what, I mean, if you look at the people we've had on the show, some of them are just like the who's who in our world. Yeah. I mean, hey, and you are too. I mean, one of the top 50 customer service experts of the decade? Yes. Wow. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All right. So let's jump into it. 
Uh, real quick, define your role over there at R.R. Donnelly so we kind of have some context of, of where you're coming from. Certainly. I think I just would take, if I, if I could just take one step back and I, I sort of look at the, the leaders in customer experience and we have these inspirational catalysts for the industry. They, they really are the um, inspiration for customer centricity or customer centric culture. And folks like James Dodkins or you or, or Dan Gingas, others who are really great at rallying C-suite or large organizations to put the customer at the center. That's one half. On the other half of this, this story or this coin are folks like myself. We're down in the trenches. I'm really more of a connector of people and leaders that are inspired to put the customer at the center of experiences or business decisions. I enable them by connecting them to point solutions. So if you need to connect your digital, your in-store, your traditional print experiences, I can connect those dots for a company or a team. And oftentimes, because at RRD, we are a global organization, we have vast amounts of best practices across traditional customer experiences for the last 150 years. And we're up to date with the latest and greatest technology partners at scale. We really provide opportunities to bring efficiency and agility to any brand that we work with. And particularly, I'm very grateful in my organization because I get a chance to work with the very best of the best, your top fortune 500 or 1000 companies. I get to work with those leaders and solve their problems tactically and deliver customer lifetime value. Right. I remember when R.R. Donnelly was pretty much a printing company at one point. That's Would right. that be safe to say that was accurate like 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Yep, you're exactly right. So 150 years, uh, a, a legacy of printing and uh, an even more important chef, the, the secret sauce there is printing of the phone books back in the day. Right, all the phone books, yeah. Yes. Well, what the bonus for this, this era is we have always handled personally identifiable information. So we have the compliance and the procedures and the insurance to cover the handling of that data, which is really central to delivering any customer experience at scale. And in fact, I'd venture to say, if you're going to execute any customer experience tactic without the customer record, you're really not going to achieve customer lifetime bail or growth over time. So at RRD, we, we have a legacy of handling the data, handling the printing, but in, I think it was 2017, AdAge finally recognized us as one of the top 10 ad agencies in the world because of our size and the fact that we had grown from phone books to direct marketing to digital marketing, and now we do marketing automation and data and analytics. So we've become the full picture in the ecosystem of customer experience. And just, um, we're just not really quite as public with it as until now. Right, right. I mean, it's amazing because I remember um, just, I remember working with R.R. Donnelly when we were talking phone books and that was pretty much it. So you said something just a few minutes ago, and I'm going to ask, this, by the way, is not part of our, uh, just so everybody knows the way it typically works is when I have a guest, I usually have four or five talking points. I'm going to go way off script here. Go ahead. Because because you're a senior executive. Yes, sir. um, And I want to know how when somebody has, and I don't know how you phrased it a moment ago, but when somebody has an idea about being more customer-centric to create a better customer experience, 
how is the best way to position that to leadership to where they'll say, yes, let's, let's invest in that. All right. Well, number one, what a fantastic question. I think that what most companies, first of all, what all CXers do well is they use empathy as a way to connect with the person or the brand or the customer that they're speaking with. Empathetically, the conversation around customer experience and touch points really at the senior leadership level is about efficiency and agility. And, and oftentimes the spearhead is productivity. So productive efficiency. And, and there we're talking about uh, product efficiency and labor capital. And then I sort of opened up the, the concept of efficiency and content. But where I try to lead leaders, lead senior execs is down more of an allocative efficiency. And, and what I mean by that is the basic premise of total economic welfare, a place where the cost of goods sold or the services have a harmony with the customer so that the values become equitable. And so on one hand, the immediate quick win is efficiency of cost and scale and customer lifetime value historically throws two to 3% on the bottom line in perpetuity because you're creating better customer experiences. So finance is obviously a, a driving factor there, but I hope that it has a halo of altruism about economic welfare or equality for, for brands and customers to both succeed equally. And okay, well put. So you want to take, you, it, it, it is usually it's altruistic when the person comes to the leadership with the presentation, but the reality is leadership probably wants to see what the ROI is. You mentioned typically lifetime value of somebody that's retained adds 3%. You know, I, I, you look at your churn rate uh, where customers leave you, they come on. Um, I love that. Um, so great. Well, let's jump in now to the actual question that I wanted to start off with. And that is, Prior to COVID-19, uh, I think people had no issue, uh, and I'm going to use the word shopping, buying, how, it, B2B, B2C doesn't matter. And they wanted to be, and I, I'm going to use your word here, they wanted to feel entertained. In other words, they liked the experience. But today it looks to me like they're very interested in an experience, but it's a very safe and healthy experience, which actually could taint what would used to be considered the more entertaining, friendly relationship. Hey, let's go out to dinner, slap on the back, shake hands, face-to-face. -face. I think that's where you're going with this. Tell me about touchless. Tell me what that's going to do to the dehumanization of the relationship. Yeah, well, God, I spent a long time explaining that. No, <laughs> so Shep, I, my, my perspective on it is a couple of things. Rather than rather than look at the negative or obviously it's been a, a tragic circumstance COVID with regard to the world. What I can say with regard to just the practice of customer experience is that we've had contactless payments since 1997. In 1997, contactless payments were introduced at the, the gas pump. Coca-Cola had a vending machine, but we still had never adopted touchless contactless payment or engagement. Flash forward 23 years, COVID happens. And in 2019, experiential started to become the new uh, slang in the industry for these events that people could uh, consume and explore and experience. But then COVID happened 
And suddenly, 23 years after it's been invented, contactless payment becomes a thing. So two things about contactless payment, and then I'll, I'll just sort of segue a little bit into um, social distancing. I think grocery stores were central to the definition of social distancing. I think grocery as a category was on the front line of how do we keep the supply chain moving? How do we keep people healthy and in their homes and safe? So that they began to adopt all kinds of interesting ways to engage, whether it was in-store signage, uh, stickers on the floor, uh, curbside pickup, but also touchless. So this contactless or touchless solution that allows uh, your phone to interact with a NFC, a near field communication uh, device. Or I knew that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but touchless really has done something wonderful that we've all needed for the entire first half of our customer experience professions, which is touchless, builds a bridge between physical and, and digital touch points. And we at our, our Donnelly have been just, we are continuously delivering across the entire country and world, new contactless, touchless integrations or systems or experiences that connect offline and online experiences or customer behavior. And that my friend is the catalyst for true allocative efficiency. The bridge that's built there now allows us, whether it's from a CPG context where we're going from business to business to consumer or directly from business to consumer, all of these touch points now are finally able to be integrated at scale. And that is probably the biggest eye-opener in terms of solution, adaptation, and maturity for customer experience, tactical solutions. I, I would say people would be absolutely amazed at the technology that has been out there for a long time. Hey, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give you a little bit of trivia because in 1995, one year before you just mentioned, I believe it was 96, you said that we've had cashless since then. Somebody made the prediction about a cashless system, a cashless future. And I'm going to tell you who that is as soon as we come back from this break. Don't go away. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Does your team struggle to handle high volumes of support calls and emails during peak times? Well, if so, Salvi has your back. Salvi's next-gen chatbot and automation platform built on real AI technology delivers an effortless experience to your customers 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Salvi is not like traditional chatbots that are easily confused by customers' questions and require lots of technical training and expertise to build and maintain. No, Salvi is intelligent, low maintenance, and fully customizable for a brilliant customer experience every time. Visit www.salvi.com forward slash chef for a free Salvi demo and a CX consultation on how Salvi can be personalized for your brand and business. Salvi, the next gen chatbot platform. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Dennis Wakabayashi from 
our, our Donnelly. And I left you with a little bit of a trivia question that one year before you mentioned in 1995, uh, somebody made a prediction that we would have a cashless future. And who do you think that was? And by the way, during the break, I did not tell Dennis, everybody. Uh, my, guess, my guess would be either Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. Is that- and you would be correct if you named just one of those people. I'm, then I'm going to say Gates. I think you're correct. In his book, The Road Ahead, he predict. I remember reading this, and he, he's going to, you're going to take out a smartphone. And I don't remember if we, in 95, if we actually had these small little mobile devices, but you're going to be taking out, or no, he actually referred to it as a smart wallet, which is now in the device. And you're going to be able to tip people. You'll be able to transfer money. You're not going to have to go to the bank anymore. And, and uh, you're going to be able to pay with your smart wallet or whatever it was uh, he called it back then. And, you know, the guy is pretty smart, I would think. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the whole concept of touchless, I get it now. And I think you said something really important. We've had these technologies around for a long time, and it's been uh, COVID-19 that forced us to use these. Uh, I've been telling people for the last several months that COVID pushed us three to five years into the future uh, by adapting and using technology. We would already be there like three years from now, five years from now. Without COVID-19, we would be uh, heading toward a cashless society. We would be seeing more delivery, more hands-off, more augmented reality um, where people can go shopping in the store without having to be in the store um, kind of things. All right. Hey, let's, let's talk about uh, heading into next year, how employees and the companies are going to redefine their work environments because this whole work from home thing is really hot. Uh, I read some stats that productivity soared when people went yeah. to work from home. And that was stats from three or four months ago. And then I read stats a month or two in the last month or so that says it's starting to head back to normal, if not even lower uh, productivity levels than before. And I would love to get your take on it. You know, I, I, I think that what is at the center of that conversation is this notion of employee experience. So mm. I, over the last last few years, customer experience has matured to have a, a, a new element in, in the center of it, which is the employee experience. Because in order to create customer lifetime value, you have to get the buy-in from the executives and the budgets. But what we, we found out once we were able to get the budgets assigned for the right reasons to grow customer lifetime value based on a revenue lift, the next challenge appeared, which is how do you create a customer-centric culture? And so the employee experience became crucial. And then to your point, COVID-19 did exactly to employee experience as, as we saw happen with e-com or the smartphone to the customer experience. Today, thanks to COVID, if, if one could say that, employees are now they're empowered to work for any brand, anywhere, anytime. So that shift of focus on the employee, and then furthermore, sort of, I would say as a bonus or a halo, employees, particularly like in grocery, they were the, the very people, the, the people who kept our countries going. And then when I looked at customer experience or customer service, the customer call center became the, the, the biggest touch point of 2000. 
uh, 20 in terms of how do you maintain happy customers? How do you reduce churn? How do you continue to keep a brand or customers engaged with your brand? And so employee experiences, Chef, are, are central to customer experiences. And one of the innovative stories I would share with you is that Jones Lang LaSalle, they are the second largest uh, consumer of commercial real estate. Commercial real estate. Yeah, yeah. commercial real estate in the world. They, they understand that the workforce needs and, and real estate needs are going to change in, going forward. And so long story short, they've developed a platform that takes the voice of the employee and factors it into the business decision-making about where to put the office based on employee needs, people, their safety requirements, how they want this space built out in terms of having employees who like to go to the office or never want to go back or want to visit the office. So JLL has technology that puts the voice of the employee right at the center of real estate decision-making and fascinatingly enough, now your chief people officer has a seat at the table and is maybe one of, if not the, the biggest voice in terms of where do we invest in real estate? How do we serve our employees? And what effect does that have on our ability to create happy customers? Yeah, and no doubt, uh, happy employees create happy customers. Uh, and I've been worried about what's going to happen in the real estate industry, uh, commercial real estate. I mean, with all these buildings, you know, I, and I work and live in an urban area in St. Louis, which is not really a huge mecca of, of business compared to like Chicago, New York, Dallas, uh, but I look at the buildings, even my building, I go into, I mean, I walk to work every day, but there's nobody in the parking lots. Uh, we just had a major company leave two floors of our building because they said people are working from home and we're not coming back anytime soon. So I get, I get here's my point I think I want to make on that. It sounds to me that uh, JLL has become more of a partner to their clients than a vendor or a landlord. And they've had to do that. And if there's a lesson to be learned from that example, I would say that every company should be looking at their partnerships they have with all their customers and start thinking about if it's not a partnership, you're in the zone of potential churn where you'll lose that customer to somebody that will come along and build a better relationship. How can we make our customers happier and more successful with what we do? And when we can learn enough about them to be successful, uh, everybody's going to win. Yes. I'll just say, Chef, that this, this, that statement right there is probably exactly why I follow you. And, <laughs> oh, okay. and, and the reason why I admire your voice in the spectrum of the entire conversation of CX is you're really talking about the intrinsic value. I think people like myself, I'm constantly in a a conversation and, and a, a mentality to optimize a revenue or efficiency for a brand and keeping the customer in mind. But I love that you always weave this thread of intrinsic value between the partners, the stakeholders, the, the employees. I, I, I've, I've watched a lot of, of your talks on stages and I just think, wow, you, even the, even the crowd, you make the crowd feel like they're part of, the whole oh gosh okay if, if anybody's watching i'm turning red thank you <laughs> but you know what i i think so much of it and, and we 
By the way, I may have talked about the intrinsic value, but you gave us a little bit of the actual how-to, how to go to leadership with the ideas, what they're interested in seeing, which uh, sometimes they miss the intrinsic value because they're so numbers focused, especially large enterprise publicly held companies that have to answer to shareholders and board of directors. We are running out of time. I want to hit one more topic. And if we can hold it to about a minute or two, I'm going to ask you a final question after that. Uh, but this has to do with, you know, creating that customer centric culture. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Because we started ahead there with that first topic of, you know, we go to leadership, but really that's uh, investing in technology and investing in the right people and investing in the way of getting it done. Is there something cultural that you can share with us uh, that really is about creating that culture that makes people want to work there and customers want to do business there? Wow. I would say that, I would say that the one thing that drives a successful culture is the inspiration and innovation that comes from teamwork to create a new better. And what I mean by that is as much as it is about dollars and cents, the free thing that belongs to all executives is teamwork. And if you can create collaboration and, and my personal brand platform has always been empathy creates collaboration and those two things are what enables growth. So really it's about teamwork and transformation that drives a better relationship between customers. I, so there's a great line in there that teamwork is free. No, no. Uh, is that what you said? Yeah. Teamwork is free. Yeah. yeah. doesn't cost them anything to create the teamwork and uh, feeling that you have. And no doubt when we go in to do our workshops, we ask when we're trying to define the brand, I, I call it the mantra, which is a one sentence brand identifier of what your customer service vision is. doesn't have to be heard or seen by the by the customer, but internally, we got to know what it is. We ask that different people from different parts of the company participate in this so that we feel that everybody gets to have their say-so. Um, well, let's wrap it up. The one thing question, I didn't tell you about this. I zing you at the end here. You get less than 60 seconds to answer this question, okay. but it's an easy one. You get to choose the topic. What's the one thing you want to share with this audience before we get off today that you feel like, oh, I wish we would have talked about that. Or if you want to reiterate something we've already talked about, you can emphasize that. Thank you. Here's one thing. In going forward into 2021, to the difference between thriving and surviving is you have to have a partner and work with first party data. You have to be able to work with the customer record and, and get as many of your customer touch points under one roof. The more you can do that, the more efficient you will be, the more agility that you will have and it will provide the most resources to empower your employees more effectively. And ultimately, that's where you're going to get allocative efficiency or total economic welfare for all of the constituents for your brand and your sector. Sure. So I'm going to rephrase that and maybe uh, tighten it up. My, my goal in life is always to take, I'm not saying it's complicated, but simplify whatever we can. Uh, essentially, what you're saying is you want it all under one place. Somebody that's supporting the customer needs to be able to see the entire 
vision of the customer, of what's legal to show them, right? I mean, there might be some things that need to be hidden, but if we need to know their buying patterns, we need to know what they bought, we need to know, you know, um, the issues they've had. And if we can do that all without having to jump around from screen to screen or feel we've got to go ask somebody because it's not part of what we've been allowed to see yet, I think it makes life better because that way when the customer calls one of us, we can act like we know who they are and deliver the best experience. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that 100%. <laughs> and I'm saying find partners like R.R. Donnelly who can handle the data and have access to uh, best practices across a lot of touch points. And yep. it's hard to, to split that up in 2021 against or with a bunch of other agencies. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Uh, I love talking to somebody that not only understands it like at the uh, thought leadership level as you do, but also who's in the trenches doing it day to day in a major corporation. Dennis Wakabayashi, yes, sir. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Love to get to meet you here. Thanks so much. Thank you, Chef. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. It wraps up another interview. We will be back next week. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Salvi. If you want to learn more about their chatbot solution, just go to www.salvi, S-O-L-V-V-Y.com forward slash Shep, and you'll learn all about them. So tune in next week. We will have another amazing interview. Until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.